0: Good morning, everybody. We're thinking this morning about resurrections, but before we look at Jesus himself, we're going to start in a different place. I want to begin by talking about a little girl who died. We don't know her name, but we know her father's name. His name was Jairus, and he was a father who loved his daughter So, so much. It's horrible for anybody to die, but to have your only daughter, who would be in year seven if she lived today, that's how old she would have been, to have your only precious daughter die is a life changing and heartbreaking thing to have happen. You might know the story, you can read it in Mark chapter 5. And Luke chapter 8, she was very, very sick, this little girl. She was lying in her bed all through the day, lying in her bed all through the night, getting worse and worse and worse. And there was nothing more that could be done for her. She was so sick to the point where she could die. And her father Jairus was running out of hope. He was running out of strength. He was running out of time. And so he started running out the door. He got up. Where did he go? Well, he was desperate for her to live. So he ran to the place where there was hope. He ran to the only place where he could find the help that he couldn't give himself. Which is a very good thing to do. If you're ever running out of hope, running out of strength, Running out of time, you can't run to a better place than the place Jairus ran. And we'll find out in a little bit where he went. But while he ran away, this terrible moment came. The moment he was dreading. It's a moment that's different for all of us. But it's a moment that all of us will face. Because recorded in God's book is the exact day, the exact hour, the exact minute, even the exact second when you and I will die. And for this little girl, the moment came and she died. Her heart stopped beating, her brain stopped working, her blood stopped flowing, her life had gone. Why did she die? Why was she sick? Why does God allow sickness and death and suffering to be in the world? Maybe that's what her mother and her family would have been thinking as they cried and wept. Have you ever felt questions like that? Have you ever thought questions like that? They're important questions and they have an important answer. This little girl was sick because God has cursed the world with sickness. And that was the world that she lived in. This little girl died because she lived in a world that God has cursed with death. Now, the only time you might see a curse or hear of a curse is probably in a film where there's... Some evil witch or wizard who brings a terrible curse upon the land. Now, is that what God is like in doing that? Is he just like one of these evil witches who brings a curse on the land? No, of course not. An evil witch would bring a curse with laughter. But this curse, God brought with sadness. An evil witch would bring... A curse to get their own back on the people who they think deserve their judgment. God brought this curse as a perfect judgment on people. A witch in a film would bring a curse because they're evil and unfair, but God brought this curse because he's good and because he is fair. So what caused God to bring this curse? Well, we read it right at the beginning of our Bibles. Genesis chapter 3, God said to Adam, Because you've heeded the voice of your wife, because you've eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it, out of the ground you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you will return. God has cursed this world as a judgment for our sins. It was the selfishness and the disobedience in Adam's heart that brought sickness and death into the world that Jairus' daughter would then suffer. That was the world that she lived in. That was the world that you and I today live in. It's the curse that Adam faced because it's what he deserved. And it's the curse that we face, because it's what we deserve. We read in Romans chapter five, through one man, Adam, sin entered the world and death entered through sin. And so death spread to all people because all sinned. That's you, that's me. And if you've ever become annoyed at Adam, for giving in the way he did. You only have to look at your own heart yesterday to see sins you could have so easily avoided, ways we've broken God's laws just as he did. Each one of us has loved ourselves and what we want over God and what he wants for us. And because of the sins in my heart, the sins in your heart, the wrong desires, the wicked thoughts, because of that, you will die one day. And after that, you will appear in front of God who will judge you for your sins. Because not only has God written in his book the exact day, the exact hour, and minute and second, that you will die he also has recorded every wicked thought every sneaky lie every angry word every cheating action every missed opportunity for good every sin you've ever committed whether you thought it was secret or not and the soul that has sinned, God will throw away into a fire that will never be put out. That's how awful sin is. That's how dreadful the punishment has to be. Even if we're young now, even if we're healthy now, there will come that day that came for Jairus' daughter where it's our final ever day on this earth. For this little girl, after only 12 years of living, the day came, she died. But where had her father gone? He'd run off to the only place where he could find the help that he couldn't give himself. And that was of course to find Jesus. In the moments when you're desperate, in the moments when you're helpless, there's no better thing you can do than to think of Jesus in your heart. Remember how good he is, how faithful and kind and loving he is, and to trust in him and run to him in that sense. And when we're met with our problem of our sin and our death, There's no other place we can run other than this place that Jairus ran. That's exactly what we need to do. We face this situation that we can never fix ourselves. Our sin leads to death and judgment. And so you need to think about Jesus. Remember how good he is and trust him. To help you because you cannot help yourself. And so, how does Jesus accomplish that? How does he solve this problem of sin? We'll see that in a minute. But are you like Jairus? Do you turn to Jesus and run to him just like Jairus did? Let's read what Jairus said. Mark chapter 5. He said, Oh, this is what Mark records. When Jairus saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. He had a lot of faith in Jesus, didn't he? What Jairus says there proves the faith that he had Jesus, that he was the only one who had the power to help him. And of course, Jesus goes with Jairus. He doesn't turn him away. His heart is to help him. But when they arrive back at the house, what do they find? They find that the worst thing has happened. The thing that Jairus was dreading the most Has happened. His daughter has already died. So then, is all hope lost? The very thing that Jairus was dreading and didn't want to happen has happened. Is all hope lost? No. Because even though the worst thing has happened, Jesus. Is with him. And as soon as they heard that Jairus' daughter had died, Jesus turned to Jairus and said this. Six simple words. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Now maybe someone might say, if only Jesus had run quickly, he'd he'd made an effort and gone quicker to Jairus' house. Then he could have saved her. But you know, this story, what happens here, teaches us something very important. Jesus isn't only good for stopping the bad things from happening. Jesus isn't only good for making things as comfortable for us as quick as possible. But he's by us when the worst does happen. He's by us when things are most uncomfortable. At our very lowest point, when when things could never possibly be worse, and we can't think of any way God could actually turn this around for good, he still cares. He is still with us, and he still brings about good things. So will you be afraid even when things are at your worst? Will you be afraid even when you hear about your sin and your death? What does that cause within you? Does it cause fear? It should. But with God, he never presents us with a problem without also giving us the solution. Never. And so... Are you afraid? Jesus says, do not be afraid. Only believe. Jairus did believe, didn't he? And Jesus went over to this little girl and held her cold, limp, lifeless hand and told her to get up. And she got up. Isn't that incredible? She was once dead and now she'd been made alive. Maybe we hear things like this so much that we lose the awe of what actually happens there. And how astonishing this really is. Isn't Jesus powerful to do that? Isn't he compassionate too? Who else has this kind of power and compassion to do something like this? Only the Son of God. Now, we said before that only Jesus can solve your problem of sin and your problem of death. So, is, is this how he does it then? How, how he raised this little girl? Has this girl's problem of death now been solved? She, she had died, but now she lives again. Is that her problem solved? No, she'd been given a heartbeat again, but her heart was still sinful. Her heart was still under that curse. For her death hadn't been defeated, it had just been reversed. She would still face the curse of death because the curse hadn't been removed. That's what we need more than anything, for the curse to be removed. Imagine you're playing a video game where your character's surrounded by danger, wherever you look, and you can't outrun it, it catches up to you and you lose the game. If I gave you an extra life and brought you back into the game, that doesn't solve your problem. The enemy is still there. The threat is still there. It hasn't been taken away. And it was the same for this little girl. Death wasn't defeated fully. So that leaves us with the big question of the day. How does Jesus do it? How does Jesus solve this problem that we can't fix ourselves? Our problem of sin, our problem of death. Well, the only way that he can solve it is for himself to enter into death and to rise from the dead himself. That's the only way. For him to enter into death and then to rise from death. But Jesus' is death was totally different to the death of this little girl. And Jesus' resurrection was totally different to the rising of this little girl. He had to enter death, but in a totally different way than this girl entered death. And he had to rise, but in a totally different way than this girl rose. How is it different? What makes Jesus' death different to this girl's death? What makes Jesus' rising different to this girl's rising? Well, we die and we're judged because of our own sin. We can't escape it because it's what we deserve. But it wasn't what Jesus deserved. He chose to die Because of our sin. He was judged in our place. His death was totally different to ours. The sole purpose of your death will be because of your own sin. The sole purpose of Jesus' death was that he chose it for your sin. We are bound to die. Jesus chose to die. We can't escape death at all. Jesus walked into death for you. Do you realise that he did it for you? To bear your sin in your place. All those things written in that book, every lie, every selfish ambition, every deceitful word every hateful shout, every wicked thought, every evil desire of your heart, all of those things Christ died to bear himself. Without Jesus dying like this, you have no hope of being freed from sin. But what about his resurrection? How was Jesus rising from the dead? Totally different from this girl. Well, she rose to life to one day die again. Jesus rose to life to never die again. She rose to life still under the curse of sin and death, but Jesus rose to life having broken through the curse of sin and death, to make a way to the other side. It's as if the whole of humanity you and me are standing on one side of a lake or a river. We're all on this one side of the bank and the river is death. And one day we'll all enter down into death. When this little girl went down into the river and Jesus brought her back to life, she came back to this side of the bank, still in this sinful world, still in this sinful body. But when Jesus entered into death, he emerged not back on this side, but on the other side. The only one in history to have ever done that yet. His death was totally different. She came back to life. Jesus couldn't, didn't come back to life, He moved into a totally new life. You might see films or TV shows where one character lies dying in the arms of another, and, and the character holding the dying person will say things. You'll hear them say things like, stay with me, come back to me. This little girl came back to us, back to the same sinful world, same sinful body, with a life that will one day die all over again. But Jesus went down into the river of death and stepped out into a new life, with a new perfect body, a life that will never end. Unlike Moses through the Red Sea, In doing that, Jesus made a path for you and I, when we trust him, to follow as he did. His resurrection was totally different to hers. And without Jesus rising like this, you have no hope of eternal life. See, this is God's great answer. This is the good news of the whole Bible. That Jesus' death defeats my problem of sin. And Jesus' resurrection defeats my problem of death. That's why he had to go to the cross. And it's also why he had to go to the tomb. He had to go to the cross alive and leave it dead. And he had to go to the tomb dead and leave it alive. If he didn't do that, we would be doomed forever. Jesus' death was for us. We hear that a lot. We say that a lot. Jesus died for our sins. Do you know that Jesus also rose for us? Maybe you've never thought like that before. Jesus' death was for us. But Jesus' resurrection was for us. He died to do something for us. And He rose to do something for us. So, what does Jesus' death do for us? It takes our never ending punishment. And what does Jesus' resurrection do for us? It gives His never ending reward. Jesus died. For me, so that I could, sorry, so that he could receive my death. And Jesus rose for me so that I could receive his life. He died to take what's bad and he rose to give what's good. So then, there's just one question that remains Does that describe you? Has Jesus taken what's bad from you and given you what's good from him? In other words, has he saved you? Yesterday and the day before, I was in the city centre of Liverpool, open air preaching with Young Life, uh, the Young Life that me and Warren co-lead with Luke and Chris and Katie and Jenny, some of you know them. And I took with me a shield in this hand and I had a crutch in this hand. And I looked interesting, and people stopped. And I said to people passing by, Jesus isn't just a crutch to get you through life with no trouble. He's a shield to get you through death with no condemnation. If you're on a battlefield, you need a shield Otherwise, you're the one who's going to be taking all the hits. And so you have to trust completely in this shield. You have to cling to it and hold tightly to it to get you through safely. My friend, you must do the same with Jesus. You must do the same. If you don't completely trust him, if you don't hold tightly to him, you will end up taking the hit for sin yourself. Everything Jesus did in dying and rising, none of that is yours unless you trust him, unless you believe in him and choose him as your only defence, your only hope, your only God. And from the second you do trust him, And from the second your heart begins to think, I'm helpless alone, my sin is so awful, I need Jesus to be my savior. And you confess your sin to God and admit how much you need him. Then in an even better way than Jairus' daughter was given life, you will be given life. Because her life would one day die again. She was still under that curse. But you will have a life that will never end because you'll be free from the curse into a new life. And so you need to believe in him and then be baptized. Probably didn't think I was going to say that. That's the command, isn't it? that goes out to everyone. Believe and be baptised. Being baptised isn't like a graduation ceremony. It isn't like being entered into a PhD. Like, when I'm more advanced in the faith, it's more like, it's got more in common with a a welcome ceremony before you've even begun the studies. Being baptised isn't like Receiving a few gold stars on your McDonald's badge. Have you seen them? The name tags? It's not like that. It's not once you've got a bit more experience and you're sure about what you're doing. No. It isn't like that at all. What do we see of the brand new believers in the New Testament? They believe and they're baptised. On the day, even in the hour that they believe. If you have a baby who's just been born, in a few months we'll probably have one. If you have a baby who's just been born, one of the first things that happens is you cut the umbilical cord from the baby to the womb. It does nothing mystical or magical for you, but it shows this old way of living in the womb, you've left it. You've now started a new way of living. Isn't that true of you, Christian, that you've left this old way of living? You've been cut off from it, and now you live in this new life. Does that fill you with joy? And are you a Christian, maybe, who's still walking around with your cord, poking out your T-shirt? You're baptized to show this old way of living in the world is gone. It's done with. There's a new way of living that you've just begun. You no longer belong there anymore. You now belong here. And why has God chosen being baptized in water as a symbol for belonging in Jesus? Why that? It's because of this. When you go down into the water, it's a symbol of Jesus totally different death and when you come up out of the water it's like a symbol of Jesus a totally different rising and when your heart trusts in him and believes in him his incredible unique death is now united to you And his amazing, incredible resurrection is also united to you. We'll hear more about that this evening, I'm sure. Your problem of sin is dealt with. That's the the symbol going down into the water. Jesus' death has buried our condemnation, never to be dug up again. It's gone. And then... Jesus is rising, deals with our problem of death. So, believe, trust, be baptized. Whether you're five, whether you're 85, you need to answer this question. When that final day comes that's written in God's book, will you have got ready for it? And when Jesus returns to earth as the mighty king that he's now risen to be and as the holy judge, will you rise with Jesus? Or die without Jesus? There's your question. What will you do with Jesus? And if you choose to do nothing, then you'll face a different question, which is, what will he do with you? If you're without Jesus on that day, then heaven is locked forever, and hell is open below you. But if you're with Jesus on that day, hell is locked forever and heaven is open above you. So choose today who you will trust in.